Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Trans Questioning Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah. It's currently June 16th, 2019, 11 a.m., where I am. I'm drinking coffee and making them good mouth sounds and getting ready to write more of the video that I have to release in a week. Oh, God. Mm. So most of today is going to be a mailbag episode, but I wanted to follow up on some stuff that I said in the last solo episode. Last time I was <laughs> a little bit depressed and not doing great, but I'm doing a little bit better now. A little bit better. I actually, the day that I recorded that episode, I went out to the clinic for my HRT and um, got a prescription right then and there. So I was able to get my HRT refilled that day. So it's just over a week that I've been back on HRT. And on top of that, I'm on finasteride now, which is exciting. That should be good and affirming and useful. I thought about asking for progesterone, but I chickened out at the last second. But also, I just figured I would count my... my uh, try not to get a little... What, what am I even trying to say? Just figured I'd be modest and only ask for finasteride. We'll get progesterone in three months or so once I've got my blood work done. It's weird going back through the phase of like starting HRT and feeling your body kind of transition back onto a different hormonal cycle. And it does take forever. I was hoping that it wouldn't do, it wouldn't feel the same as it did last time because of. You know, I've been on HRT for a long time, and it's not as though I was off forever. I was I was only really fully off for like a week, and then I had just halved my dosage for a while before that. But I think having my dosage helped make things slow down, just generally speaking. So the engine of change is slow to start back up right now as it stands. It is frustrating waiting for my tits to start hurting again and start growing a bit more. It's frustrating feeling my body be sort of slimy and gross and waiting for the for, for, for things to return to how they were in the good times after I started HRT the first time. So honestly, it's probably going to be a full month or two before I start feeling the, uh, the, the good effects of HRT again, which kind of blows, but at least I'm back on it now. And this is an object lesson. Do not stop HRT. Do not have your dosage for long stretches or stop altogether unless you um, want to have a slow spin-up again to get back to work on transitioning granted i'm still early on like it probably won't matter as much down the line once the second puberty has sort of just happened but uh it'll be my first it'll be a full year on hrt come two days from now come the 18th so for me it's like every second is is very very precious and important so <laughs> uh gosh y'all i've been feeling really dysphoric about my voice just just hearing myself talk, it's like, I gotta pitch this shit up. I really gotta work on voice training. I was listening to some old streams and things of me that were not, like, like the H-bomb stream from February. And, oh, goodness me. I really need to work on voice training. There's a lot of things I need to work on. I really need to get laser hair removal again. Oh, Lord. 
it's like if I can get my facial hair removed and work on voice training, I might be able to pass relatively well. I'll also lose some weight. God, the deck is stacked against me. Yikes. But whatever, I'm just glad to be back on HRT and, you know, things are moving along, so it's better than where I was a week ago. So with all that out of the way, let's get to some curious cat questions. So as usual, if you have questions, thoughts, comments, etc. that you want to send me for reading out on the podcast, you can go to curiouscat.me slash transquestioning to send an anonymous message, or you can send me an email at transquestioningpodcast at gmail.com. I've got a huge backlog on the curious cat, so I'm just going to start working through these, all right? So first question... Tips for meeting friends, ideally trans friends. So this is a fun one. There's a lot of different ways to do this. In real life, you can find LGBT groups in your area or in your city. Um, they will have online groups almost assuredly. If you're looking for IRL friends, I would suggest looking to your uh, local LGBT groups. See if there's any like things meeting in the basements of churches, especially if you've got a UU church, a Unitarian Universalist. Check on Twitter for local folks in your area. Um, I would also suggest if there's any YouTubers or musicians or whatever that you really like, if they have Discord servers that uh, you can join. Uh, a lot of, like, my Discord server has a whole... It's basically just trans people at this point, and it's just all of us chatting. We all kind of know each other. Um, my, my Discord is private, in the sense that uh, only patrons and then people who are just in the right place at the right time get access to it. So best advice for getting onto my Discord is to uh, be around for one of my streams and then pester me there because I'll I'll drop I'll drop an invite link there. But generally speaking, lots of lots of YouTubers, like trans YouTubers and trans people, there's lots of trans Discord servers. They're not that hard to find. I've generally found Discord to be a really good place for finding fellow trans people or just people who fit a specific niche of society that you fit that you don't know anybody else in, I guess. Making friends and keeping them is, of course, the real question, and it's tough and hard. Um, I wish I knew... How to answer that question, I've just gotten lucky, and I think that's kind of how everybody does it. You just get lucky. The answer really is you just put yourself out there and hope that people like what you have. I don't know. I don't know how to make friends. It just kind of happens. I've got another question from an Oklahoma trans woman here. So first thing, how do you and your girlfriend handle such a long-distance relationship? And two, since Oklahoma is such a conservative and religious place, how do you cope with the isolation from the community and the feeling of hostility? I'm currently hiding in a closet, and I don't know where to start, especially in Oklahoma. So to your first question, how do I handle my long-distance relationship with my girlfriend who lives in fucking Ireland? Well, it's a lot of a lot of lot of talk. We talk to each other most days. If we were not, if we don't actually have like a voice chat, we do send messages back and forth every day, just checking in. And it's hard. It was really hard after she left. Actually, it was. It was. It was bad. It was a it was a bad time after she left because I wasn't expecting to feel so like I don't know good with another person. We don't need to get into that, but it was a it was a, it was a good visit when she was here, and I was very sad after she left. And now I'm planning to go stay with her in Ireland for a bit sometime later this year, and that's sort of where I am. 
So with a long distance relationship, I think the the thing that I've hit upon that helps me is to every time I start to feel bad that I'm not around her now, I think about, well, okay, but in the future, we'll be together again. So pretty much immediately after she left, we had already talked about making plans for whenever I would come visit her. Now, there are a lot of barriers for me to come visit her, unfortunately, uh, things that can only be solved with time, but I still, like, we, it's going to happen, and it sucks waiting, because it, it's sort of in a nebulous thing, and it's still like a five to six months away from now kind of thing. But it helps to remember that there is going to be, you know, closeness in, in the near future, and I have that to look forward to. And we still get to talk and hang out, like, just talking to her again. Like, the hardest part of her leaving was that she was on a plane for, like, 48 hours, and I just couldn't talk to her at all in that time period. No, she wasn't literally on a plane for 48 hours, but between, like, layovers and shit, that's what it was functionally. And so once she landed and I was able to talk to her again... I felt a lot better, honestly. I don't know if I have like really good sterling advice for how to deal with being in a long-distance relationship because I'm still pretty new to it myself. But so far, that's kind of where I've been at is make plans for the future and remember that you have those plans. And in the meantime, just talk a lot and uh, try not to think about it. <laughs> oh, gosh. To the second part of your question, I have had weirdly good luck in Oklahoma is the thing. And I went to this clinic in Oklahoma City and I got an HRT prescription pretty much immediately. And this last time that I went, uh, the same thing happened where they said, um, because you've been off HRT for a while, it's there's no point in making you do a blood, blood test right now. So we're going to go ahead and write you a prescription based on your blood work from uh, six months ago, and then we will see you again in three months to do uh, new blood work. So I've, I've had nothing but good luck there, and I haven't really faced much like transphobia around here, but the thing is that I, I was living in a college town, and now I'm in the city, and I'm in a relatively bougie part of the city, so I have, I have some not inconsiderable amount of privilege in that regard. But here's what I'll say about the South is that there are always people, like, there are always queer people in the South who can't leave or don't want to leave and who are looking for support and trying to support each other. And I found some really incredible trans and queer communities here. And tracking that down, of course, gets back to the first question that was asked is, you know, look for Discord servers and local listings and see what you can do. Like, if you have access to transportation to get to Oklahoma City, there's... I've, I've had a lot of really good luck uh, in OKC. And I don't know, it's not as... For, as... for as awful as it is, I feel like there are ways that despite the fact that it's it's so bad here in in a number of ways there are there are enough allies here that are 
very conscious of the fact that it's bad here and they, they work very hard to make sure it's not that way in as many ways as they can. And I don't know. I've, I've felt I've, I've had a better time transitioning in Oklahoma than I've heard people have like transitioning in fucking New York or California. And I think part of that maybe is that you don't become a, uh, an endocrinologist at a uh, women's center in Oklahoma unless you really fucking give a shit. I don't know. Maybe that's a reach. Another short question. I'm trying to write a piece of YouTube art about dysphoria. Do you think that market's gotten oversaturated lately? Like, should I just get my own dang idea? Is it... I mean, is the market saturated on angsty art? I don't know. Like, yes, but it's been that way forever. There are like five or six videos that I can think of that are really like strongly about dysphoria off the top of my head. Uh, I think there's room for more considering how many videos there are just from single YouTubers about like how Satan is Anita Sarkeesian. And look, I think it's it's good to have an awareness of what's out there and whether you're contributing to a bad trend or if you're just doing something that's already been done before. But I also think that you have to make the things that you need to make for yourself. And sometimes that means doing what's been done regardless. And after a certain point, you can't worry about what's already out there and you just gotta make the thing that you feel compelled to make. take a minute to tell you about a couple of other podcasts on the Lunar Light Network. The first is Cryptid Keeper. What common ground do an Appalachian folklorist and a horror-savvy scream queen have? Cryptids. Come laugh, learn, and get creeped out as best friends Alex and Addison take a lighthearted look at the weird, wild unknowns of the world. They've got over a hundred episodes featuring creatures such as the Sigbin, Bloody Mary, the Suchinoko, Men in Black, and obviously many more. So you can find the Cryptid Keeper podcast over at LunarLightStudio.com, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Next is Mock Footage. Ever pretend to have seen a movie just to get through a conversation? Ray, creative genius, stumbles through the plot of a movie he's never seen before, and Joe, self-proclaimed film veteran, enjoys the ride. Each episode, Ray has to describe a movie he's never seen before, and then they watch it together. And so far, they've covered movies like Black Panther, Mad Max, Fury Road, and Back to the Future. You can find mock footage on LunarLightStudio.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, I guess I should say Cryptic Keeper updates every Sunday and mock footage updates every other Thursday. Now for two other quick promotions. This weekend from the 21st to 22nd of June, Lunar Light Studios is hosting a 24-hour charity stream for the Pride Center of New Jersey. A lot of the specific things that will be streaming haven't been announced yet, but I will be there for bits and pieces of it. And it's going to start with a Jackbox party pack and close with something else that's really fun for everybody. It's going to be good and fun and raise money for a very good cause, so you should be there. You can keep up to date on that at 
uh, Lunar Light HQ on Twitter. Also on the 21st is SACCON, or Stuck at Home Con, which, yes, is a Homestuck convention. It is a free, online-only Homestuck convention that is Saturday the 21st. I'm going to be premiering a brand new video as part of SACCON, and then I'm going to be doing a live Q&A. So my part's going to be from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And you can find out more information and the other cool panels that are going to be going on at sahcon.com. Okay, that's enough of that. Back to the show. Here's another question. Hi, I'm non-binary, they, them, and have been working with a therapist to come out to my parents. We set a deadline and it's coming up in a little less than three weeks, which um, this question came in on the 17th of May, so hopefully that went well. I have a whole plan and what I'm going to say ready to go, and I'm expecting it to go well, but I feel a little stuck. I can't seem to imagine what my life is going to be like once I come out. I avoided thinking about it for so long, and I can't even fathom what life in general is going to be like. How can I prepare myself for what's going to be, what it's going to be like afterwards? Well, Anonymous, here's the deal. It really isn't going to be that much different. Who you are isn't really changing. How you live isn't really changing. Let me tell you that the, the ways that you behave will not, like, your worst habits won't go away. Uh, You might feel energized enough to actually do better for yourself for a little while, but eventually once the shine wears off, you kind of fall back into your old habits because you're really just messing with how you conceive of yourself, which you've already done, presumably. As far as Preparing for how your parents will react, I honestly have no earthly idea. Parents can be really cool about stuff like this, and parents can be just the absolute worst. can just be total dog shit. So I honestly have no clue. I think if I were in your position, I would make sure that I had friends on call waiting as I got ready to uh, have this conversation and uh, were ready with booze of some kind or whatever substance or activity that makes you feel good about your place in the universe or at least buries the fact that your life sucks. Your life doesn't suck. That I'm talking about how we classify our subjective feelings about our own lives here. Have a friend ready to go to make sure you feel good, okay? To make sure you don't like spiral after you come out if things go bad. But also, things don't always go as bad as we expect. We tend to focus on the negative more than the positive, and you'd be surprised how often the good happens instead. But also, I don't think there really is a way you could prepare yourself for what happens after you come out, because what that means is up to you. You can get ready for a lot of different hypotheticals, of course, but I think that the things that will be different will be really hard to quantify, you know, before they happen. But then again, the cis behave in strange and mysterious ways, don't they? I had a friend over this weekend, and I love him to death, but uh, he, we got a little bit drunk. Saw John Wick 3, got a little bit drunk, and he felt the need to tell me that uh, after I came out, he felt like his best friend had died, uh, then he quickly corrected himself and said, well, not died, just disappeared. 
And uh, we talked about kind of what that meant for a hot minute. And when I explained how that sounded to me, he apologized. But it's still the sort of thing where I think cis people will overreact to you coming out because they tie so much of your identity into your gender that when it changes, you're like, what? Uh, uh, ah." But who, who, who is my darling child, if not a daughter? And you say, well, I'm still, I don't know. I still like Minecraft. I still hate green beans and I eat, I eat cheesecake with a fork. I don't know what you want from me. What would you eat cheesecake with but a fork? Hmm. Implications. The point is, I don't know. Folks are fucking weird. And I don't know how you prepare for their reactions. Well, here's the thing you could do. You could try to explain to them that, like, as much as it might seem like this is a huge change for them, it's really not. Like, it's a, it's a change for you and how you interact with the world. But generally speaking, it doesn't change who you are as a person. If anything, it brings how you present yourself more in line with who you are as a person. And the result of that is that you'll be a happy and more healthily functioning individual in life, which everybody should want, right? That's what your parents should want. That's what your friends should want. So yeah, you'll wear different clothes and you'll ask for different pronouns. Maybe you go by a new name. Maybe you start wearing makeup. Maybe you pitch your voice up. Maybe you start taking HRT. Gosh, I I keep... (laughs) I keep thinking about this episode of the Trillbilly Workers Party podcast where uh, uh, their male cat just got shaved and uh, they're trying to record this podcast, but the lady cat is like, freaking out about the fact that there's a supposedly new cat in there. And eventually the lady cat figures out that it's Leo is the, this, the guy, uh, that, that Leo is the same cat, but only after Leo is like hiding behind a couch and only had his head sticking out. And one of the hosts is like, well, that's the, that's the trick there, folks. You gotta, if, if, if your friends ever feel like they don't recognize you, just, uh, hide behind a questionably floral couch and only stick your head out. And uh, then they'll recognize you. <laughs> oh, Lord. Just, um, I don't know. I don't know what this, this, I've actually been thinking about that like moment in the podcast a lot because it's a funny bit that probably isn't as funny out of context. But it does s- reflect something that I have been sort of realizing is that starting transition hasn't fixed a lot of my core bad behaviors. Like it hasn't made me exercise more. It hasn't made me shower more. It hasn't made me clean my room consistently or cook food better. Like it doesn't change a lot of things. It doesn't change a lot of things. And I think cis people who know you from the outside might expect these massive changes based on this one specific change and treat you differently or think that you're a different person now, but there'll come a time when they see you camouflaged by a floral couch and only see your face and realize, oh, wait, no, it's still the same person. Hopefully they don't then say like, well, you're not transitioning or whatever. Hopefully they don't use that as an excuse to fucking invalidate you because that would blow chunks. Beyond all that, though, I think the best preparation you can do is just repeat to yourself, hey, things are going to get better because things sure suck now. I presume. 
<laughs> Cross your fingers and hope that that's true. Okay, got another question here. Hi, I'm non-binary and I live in Germany, which makes it hard to express myself as we do not have gender-neutral pronouns like the English language does, i.e. they, them. Which is funny because a lot of pedants here in America would insist that they, them are not uh, singular plural pl pronouns. Uh, or single, that they're not singular uh, uh, gender-neutral pronouns. Because they're idiots. German is a heavy gender-focused language, and that made it hard to even accept myself as non-binary at first. Do you think it's possible to invent new pronouns in the language, or even abolish old gender ones and unify them into one neutral pronoun? I cannot help but think it's impossible a lot of the time. Well, I'm not a linguist, so I don't know if I can answer this question with any sort of authority. Uh, I have read about, I think it was... Uh, hold on, I'm sitting right in front of my computer. I can just Google it like an adult. Yeah, Sweden added a gender-neutral pronoun to their dictionary in the last decade. The word is hen, and of course it existed... See, it was first proposed in 1966 and again in 1994. Didn't receive widespread recognition until 2010. So there's an example of somebody introducing a word to a language. Is it possible to do that? Yeah, of course. I mean, language is a thing that we made up. Like, we can add as many words and ideas as we choose to if we want. Of course, the question is, do other people accept those words? This is something that I worry a lot about, and I think that there are a lot of heavily gendered languages that make the concept of non-binary or genderqueer genders really hard to internalize in certain countries. And I think anybody who says that language doesn't affect how we see the world is fucking naive as hell. But that said, I'm sure that there are other people who are asking this question and who have started working on ways to figure out uh, a solution. I'm sure that there is a movement somewhere on some corner of the internet to add a gender-neutral pronoun to the German language and that they have like a, a suggested candidate. One suggestion I might have is that you find or come up with a gender-neutral pronoun and then when people say, oh, that's not a real word, you say, well, the thing is, we need a gender-neutral pronoun because I'm non-binary and I want to be addressed in a way that is affirming to how I am as a person. And also, uh, we're better than America, right? And they'll say, yeah, yeah, we're better than America. Uh, well, here's the thing. They just sort of accidentally have a, a non-binary pronoun. Do you really want to be behind America in literally any fashion? Do you do you want to be behind America in terms of like erasing non-binary people? And then literally everybody in Germany will be like, no, fuck that. Non-binary people rock. Let's give let's give them a million pronouns. There, I solved your problem. <laughs> oh Lord. Look, I think you can find these things happening and Put your weight behind them as best you can and just, if you find a word that you like, use it and keep using it and ask your friends to use it, even if they think it sounds silly. And this is how language changes. And it's easy to forget that language is not concrete. It's changing all the time. I say words like hella now. I never used to say that. I thought that word was embarrassing. I use like as a uh, stopgap word. 
I used to find that embarrassing. Instead, I just said, uh, which is, you know, not embarrassing, obviously. Now I just use both, actually, which is a great sort of middle ground of mediocrity. But yeah, I mean, progress is slow. Like you saw with, with my finding in Sweden, uh, it, was pr- it was proposed in 1966, and it got adopted nine years ago. So like... Yeah, it takes time, but it's got to start somewhere, and you're not the only person who's dealing with this frustration, I guarantee you. So you can find those people and find some solidarity with them, at the very least. So what was the theme of today's episode? This felt like a, this felt like a non-binary jam session and a how-do-I-meet-people jam session. How do I, a they, meet other people? Well, friends, I wish that I had a better answer for that. I guess I just want to remind people to be proactive in looking for groups online of people who share your interests and, you know, reach out to multiple. Try to find people who have a diverse population and a diverse like set of ideas or find Discord servers that are hyper-specific for things that you need. Ideally, you'd get a mix of both. Find people with the same worries that you have. Find people who are non-binary and speak the same language as you so that you can share in strategies on how to deal with being misgendered and just have solidarity with each other. And then maybe you fall in love and you meet up and you go to Schlitterbahn. That's a thing in fucking Indiana, isn't it? Jesus, what what is wrong with me? Wow. Anyway, y'all. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. This has been an episode of the Trans Questioning Podcast, hasn't it? If you want me to read for you a personal message or plug your business, you can go to lunarlightstudio.com to learn about incoming transmissions. Otherwise, you can support independent media over at patreon.com slash lunarlighthq. There's lots of patron-exclusive content for all of Lunarlight podcasts, and we do a monthly live stream. The most recent one, we played the, uh, the Gary's Mod Game Mode Prop Hunt, which has some... Had some of my favorite moments that I've had with any video game in a long time. And you can watch the VOD of that for as little as $5 a month, I believe. So you should go do that. And uh, the money that you give to the Lunar Light HQ Patreon first goes to just keeping the lights on. And then it goes to all of us on the network. So it's a great way to support independent media. And of course, there's incoming transmissions, which is basically the same. If you have questions, thoughts, comments, stories, etc., you can send me an anonymous message over at curiouscat.me slash transquestioning or send me an email at transquestioningpodcast at gmail.com. Podcast-specific updates go to transqpodcast on Twitter or for to follow my own personal stuff, I guess, go to at HMSNoFun. The cover art is by Dear Witch. The intro and outro music is by Zoestra. Links to everything that I've just talked about are in the description. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Transquestioning Podcast, and I'll see you again next week. (laughs) Why did I make that spooky? Lunar 
Delight Studio. Pretty, witty, and gay.